Welcome to What It Takes to Be Wild. My name is Grace and I am your host. What It Takes to Be Wild is a podcast created to encourage and support women to realize that no matter who they think they are, they can always become who they really want to be. Help us grow our audience by following us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and by visiting, liking, and sharing about us on Facebook and Instagram. Today I'm going to start with a section from a new book called Unlock Yourself by Eddie Thomason. I learned an interesting fact about sharks when I was a kid. A shark will only grow to the size of its environment. If you put a shark in a household fish tank, it will only grow 8 inches, while sharks in the ocean will grow 8 feet or more. The same is true with you and your environment, and I'm not talking about your physical environment, I'm talking about the environment of association you choose to create. The reason why you're not growing is because you continue to hang around with the middle of the line, small thinking, mediocre people. When you take yourself out of those types of environments and place yourself in an atmosphere where people are moving toward a solution rather than sulking in their problems, you'll set yourself up for the success you want to create. Remember this, you can't change the people around you but you can change the people you choose to be around. With an easy-to-read book written on the principles for creating a great life, Eddie has joined us today on the show to talk about his book and his experiences and how these insightful ideas can significantly contribute to our own personal goals and passions. Eddie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Grace. So excited to be here. Love what you're doing. Love your message behind your show. And I'm excited to get into this conversation. (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited too. But uh, you know, I have to say that there's something really significant about your book. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've read through it. I love it. And you've done an amazing job of making, I like to say like making life simple, um, really making life simple in order to create real meaning and results. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so used to reading self-help books that are like really academic in nature and they tend to be kind of populist, meaning like they seem to be written like for the money because oh, people will buy this topic or whatever, mm-hmm. but not necessarily super authentic and or for the real accuracy or effectiveness of the content. And I felt like your book really uh, not only hit home for me, but it hit home in a way that was very easy to understand very like you know you have that moment where you're like oh yeah I know I should be doing that (laughs) yeah it was totally like that for me yeah yeah so uh, I'd love it if you just tell us a little bit more about your book how it came about and why it matters so much to you that you share it with the world I definitely so that's a that's a great intro into this but before before I do that my question is when you were reading the book did it feel like I was sitting across the table and just having a conversation with you? Yeah, it totally did. It was like having my best friend sitting across from me, reminding me how to be my true authentic self. Wow. That's humbling right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that it is, is right? It's, it's all stuff we know, but we forget and we need we need that person across the table. Exactly. And that's, honestly, I'm glad that you, like I said, you intro this entire conversation with what you said about the book, because that was my intention. My intention was that it wasn't, it didn't seem like I was talking at you. However, it felt like I was literally helping you through a, 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 a obstacle or a situation 
together and just like you said, reminding you of a few things that you may have already know, um, but also giving you a little bit of perspective and some insight on what to expect as you as you come out of that circumstance. Right. So I'm glad that you got that feeling out of it, because that was definitely 100 percent intended. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And you've done this beautiful job of putting quotes in like it's almost every page of the book and they're uh, little statements that you make about the topic that's essentially on that page and it's I could literally go through and read each of those and walk away with something significant for myself um, so you know and then you read the whole book and you're like wow you know it's like you really you really connect with what your message is but not only that but like it's um how I describe that it's like uh it's almost like having a conversation with yourself in a way <laughs> that's awesome because that's the best advice sometimes right the advice that comes from you because you can't argue with yourself <laughs> well at least you shouldn't right well, I try I try but I usually I usually lose before I win <laughs> <laughs> same here same here but yeah, definitely. The, the quotes and everything was intentional, too, because the ideal, I guess the ideal audience that I had in mind as I was writing that book was honestly that 16 to 22 year old kid. Right. Um, which was basically either just finishing up high school or just finishing up college. And they're looking at reading and they're like, Bro, I don't really want to read this stuff, but they can look through the quotes and still get some value out of it and uh, start to apply some of those principles inside of their life immediately. So uh I'm glad again, I'm just glad you're picking up on some of these these little small nuances because uh those things are definitely hundred percent intentional to try to get the the target audience to really get some value out of the book <laughs> yeah, absolutely i it's awesome, I love it um and I'm curious um how tell us a little bit about your background and then how you got to writing this book, why it came about, and why you want to share it. Absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll start, I guess, in what I call in my origin story. Okay. <laughs> Not so far back that it'll bore you, but I guess drop you right in the middle so you understand where I'm coming from because I hate to give people content without context. So, with that being said, I was born and raised down in Baltimore, Maryland, and my dad left when I was probably around, I think, seven or eight years old. And it forced my mom to take care of me and my brother on a $13,000 a year disability income. And I remember it being rough, man. I remember a stretch of about two years where we didn't have any running hot water in my house. So I remember coming home, you know, from school and doing my homework and then going outside and playing and then coming back in the house. And my, my least favorite thing about the day was taking a bath because it, it just it just took so much longer than everybody else's. I had my mom would boil up these huge pots of water and she'll pour some inside of a basin and then she'll also take a little bit of cold water and mix it inside of there. And she'll send me upstairs with a cup and that basin of water. And she called them cup towels. That's how we used to bathe ourselves uh, for about two years. So my mindset when I was growing up, it was kind of like this. Uh, I, even though I was living in poverty, I knew I didn't want to be stuck there forever. I knew I didn't want to just be uh, just there. Right. And where I grew up, I had a, this this mindset. And I feel like it's, it's pretty consistent across a lot of the minority places where people grow up today. But my mindset was that I basically have three options. I can either be, become a professional athlete in order to create success. I could be a professional entertainer, so a rapper, dancer, you know, some type of musician, right? Or I could sell drugs. That was pretty much my three options that I had. 
And I chose option one. <laughs> I chose the option to basically go and, and I wanted to pursue a dream of playing in the NFL. I wanted to be this dude that did everything. And uh, primarily because I didn't want my mom to struggle anymore. I remember, you know, having a job since I was nine years old just so I can help my mom pay bills or even not ask her when I needed money for field trips and things like that because I didn't want to have to rob Peter to pay Paul, as she would say, right? Um, and so that was that was kind of my mindset of where, kind of where I grew up. So the entire thought process from probably about the time when I was about 13 years old when I started playing organized football for real um, up until, what, when I was 22, that was pretty – my driving force was, hey, I need to go to the league. I need to go to the league. My brother told me if I wanted to go to the league, I'm going to have to play in college. And then for me to play in college, I knew I had to get a scholarship because, again, my mom didn't have the money to send me to college. and I, I was afraid of debt. Like my mom always told me, if you can't afford it, don't buy it. So I was afraid of debt, didn't want to get the debt at all. Uh, so I felt as though my only option was to get a scholarship. And of course, you get hit with all kinds of different stuff, right? Like I, I remember going around, I told my teachers and I told different people, like, you know, they'd be asking me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, oh, I'm going to the league. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to the league. And I got hit with all kinds of different things. You know, I got teachers that told me that I would, I would basically have a better chance of going to jail or dying before that goal actually came into fruition, which wasn't necessarily a false statement. It was actual facts. It was a statistic. However, I chose not to be one of those statistics. Um, I chose to say, you know what, you can you can have your own desire, your own thing that you expect of me, but my expectations for myself is higher than what you believe I can do. So uh, with that being said, I became the first male in my high school's history to ever earn a scholarship coming out of that school, a D1 scholarship, period. So it was just in my mindset, right? I was like, it's going to happen. I'm going to speak this into existence, and it happened. And what I'm more proud of is the fact, Grace, that because of that scholarship, I became the first male in my family to ever graduate from a college or university, right? Yes. So it's for- amazing. I want to be like, <laughs> bam, take that. Exactly, right? <laughs> Like, you can't tell me what I can and can't do, right? Because what I, what I yeah. want to do is going to be more important than what you believe I can do. However, obviously, it was a part of my story. I don't, and, and not to say that there, was, there wasn't any good positive voices in my life. Like, as you read the book, I had a mom that was very, very encouraging of me. Um, I had people that was around me. Not all, all the teachers were bad. Um, I married a teacher, so I know I know not all teachers are bad. <laughs> so <laughs> having all those different aspects, I was like, man, I just want to be able to to become a curse breaker, right? And that's and that's how I kind of opened the book and the introduction is saying, hey, I know there's other people out there like me who maybe they were born into similar circumstances, they were born into these families that struggle with poverty for generations. However, your your history does not determine your destiny. Right. You can decide based off of where you want to go in life and the decisions that you make. You can decide and really plan out your life of where you want to end up. And it's going to take hard work to get there. It's not just going to be handed to you on a silver platter. But the cool thing is it's possible. You just have to believe it first. Once you believe it, you start to see it. And once you can see it and it's like kind of like a tangible thing that's there, you just flat out pursue it and you run for it. So um, I know that's a that's a lot. In one, but hopefully that gives people an idea of where I came from. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there was one of those quotes hidden in there. <laughs> Did everybody hear that? Was, your history doesn't necessarily determine your destiny. Amen. You said it better. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, you, you had talked about this um, book really um, 
being about leaving a legacy mm-hmm. and that what you could leave for your children, if something happened to you tomorrow, right. how this would impact your children and your children's children and your children's friends and right. speak to that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the questions that a mentor of mine asked me, he said, Eddie, what are you doing today that's going to impact generations to come? And that question hit me like a ton of bricks, right? Because when I remember the first time he asked me, I was only 22 years old. Um, I didn't make the dream of going to the NFL, but I, was, I had a, a decent job by, by society standards. And um, he basically, you know, my, my answer to him was basically everything that was self-absorbed. I only told him about the house that I wanted to live in, the car that I wanted to drive, um, you know, the, the, all those different materialistic things that really had no impact on other people, right? And as I started to get older a little bit, I got married, started having kids, and I started to realize, like, man, legacy is so much more than just me, my, me myself, and as well as my own family. Legacy is, is generational uh, impact. So the book for me was a, was a stepping stone. It was kind of like a, a seed planted that's going to now leave a huge legacy for everybody that's coming on behind me. Because I know there's going to be people that are growing up in similar situations as me. There's people out there right now who are probably either listening to this podcast or um, they're just they're just lost, right? <laughs> they have no idea what they want to do. They were born into a particular family that's that's struggling or in an environment where it feels as though there's not a lot of opportunity. However, they're going to listen to my story and say, wow, that dude went through the exact same thing that I went through, and now I can also overcome it. And that's what the book was about for me, as well as giving a new floor. For me, it's creating a new ceiling, but for my kids, it's a new floor for them to stand on and to start to build their dreams, their goals, their aspirations from. Because let's be honest, right? What we do as parents and what we leave for them, they should always be better than us, right? So I'm trying to make that ceiling of mine extremely high so that they have a much higher platform to start from. Yeah, and gosh, how many parents think that? I wonder. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know? I, I think if, if if you ask me, I feel as though it's the it's the majority. The kind person would want to say it's the majority who think about it. However, it's it's a select few who actually do something about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And this this hits to like your, one of your huge points in the book mm. is this whole idea of. Um, knowledge is power but really applying it is where yes. the true power is yeah yes. yeah absolutely i mean it's it's huge man i feel like especially in the environments that i grew up everybody kept on saying hey there you got to get your education knowledge is power knowledge is power knowledge is power and and it's it's i, I just hate the statement <laughs> to be honest with you i hate the statement because there's always been a word missing for me and that word is applied applied knowledge is power. You can walk around all day long and gather information and say, I'm going to learn about this and learn about that. I'm going to grow this. However, if you never apply the knowledge that's inside of your head, then you're, you're walking around with useless information. Because if, if you don't actually put into action what's inside of your mind, it's just wasted thoughts. So you got to figure out how to start applying what you know. Don't read just to be entertained. You got to learn to read to actually apply so that you can create in life what you want to see. Yeah, you had the this 
quote that goes with that is, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Amen. I love that one. It's like, there it is right there. There's nothing complicated about that whatsoever. <laughs> you know, and I, it's just, it's that simple. And I think normally we would, you know, read an entire book on what it means to change something. But <laughs> it really comes down to actually applying just even one thing, like one good practice, one piece of advice, one yep. simple exercise, just to like get a little momentum and start right. it going. And the other thing that you talked about along those lines is um, surrounding yourself with people not only who encourage you and speak positive, but with people who have achieved what you want to achieve, mm -hmm. uh, learning the pathway and uh, getting that um, external, it's almost like the external conversation then becomes your internal conversation. And if you're hanging right. around people that are like, you can't, you suck, you know, you'll never get that. Yeah. Um, or just generally negative people, that's where you're going to, your inside's going to be. But if you shift that environment, that's a great way to shift the internal dialogue. Yes. Um, yes. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Association is important. If uh, of all the concepts that's inside the book, um, I would say association would be your number one choice to determine whether or not you're going to be successful. Reason behind it is because you tend to take on the traits of the top five people that you hang out with most, right? I believe Jim Rohn was the first one that said that. And it's so true. I mean, just think about the people that you hang around, Grace, and, and the income that they may make, the family size that they have. Are they married? Are they single? Do they have kids? You start to think about these different relationships that you formed. And when you think about the top five people, they're, they're pretty much, you guys are in the same boat, right? But if you ever want to change, right? If, if something has to change, you have to change something. And a lot of the times it's your association because those people are not to say that they're bad people. They're usually amazing people and they want you to do well. However, when they get comfortable and content, it makes you comfortable and content. So I always preach getting yourself inside an environment that makes you feel uncomfortable. People that seem like they have life so much more figured out than you, right? People that feel as though maybe they're in a better financial state, they're in a better relational state, they're in a better marriage state, whatever it is, you got to put yourself in a room with those individuals because it's going to force you to grow. And if you're anything like me, as far as just a natural born competitor, it's also going to tick you off a little bit that somebody yeah. else is further along than you, right? So that natural competitiveness kicks in and you're like, you know what? That person is no better than me, which is true. That person is no better than me. So maybe I need to learn a few things that that person know so that I can put myself in a better position for not just myself, but my family and for my future family, right? Everything for me, it always, it thinks deeper. It's not just about myself or even my, my immediate family that I have right now. It's about my grandkids and my great grandkids and then their kids. So it's, it's just deeper than that. I don't know. My, my wife kind of gets ticked off sometimes because I tell her all the time, my brain is probably about 90% in the future, 10% in the present. <laughs> so she's always like, well, what the heck? Like, you know, we got to spend moments, you know, spend the moments together, which is it's important, right? I'm not saying that that's not important at all. However, everything I do most of the time is calculated to a point where is this going to impact my family for generations? If not, take it off the list. I don't want to do it. <laughs> and that sounds extreme, but I feel like it's necessary. Because you, we're only given one life, right? We, what we do with our life, with our talents and everything that we've been blessed with, 
it's it should be able to give back to generations forever. And something that I was asked at a very young age was, do you know your great grandparents' name? And my answer was no. I don't know about you, Grace, but no. I didn't know who my great grandparents were on either side. And the person who asked me basically said the reason behind it is because they didn't leave behind anything of significance for you to remember their name. So for me, it was a moment where I had to realize, okay, it's not it's not just about me. It's not just about what I'm currently doing or the lifestyle that I'm setting up for myself and my current family, but it's how my family is going to be blessed throughout the generations. And that's what that's what became important to me. That became my focus. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you end each statement with a laugh. It's awesome. <laughs> joy. That's that joy. Yeah, joy. <laughs> joy and gratitude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was one thing when I, I think it was a, toward the beginning of your book, um, one thing that really stuck out to me too was this idea of um, you talked about running away mm -hmm. from, I mean, just kind of coming back to the people we surround ourselves with, like right. running away from, from that environment that you didn't want to recreate in your own life, mm -hmm. but that somebody sort of stopped you and said, well, what are you running toward? Yes. I, I mean, to expand a little bit more on that, Grace, it's my entire life was, I, I would say up until I was about 22 years old, I did the exact opposite of all the male figures and, and examples I had inside of my life. Uh, I told you, you know, real brief about my dad. My dad left left us when I was about, like I said, seven or eight years old, but he, he abused alcohol. He abused drugs. He also abused my mom. So I looked at those three things and was like, well, I'm cutting out all three of those things. That's never going to happen. So I just saw the life that he created in the and the turmoil that he created inside of his house. And I said, I'm never going to be that. So I started going in the opposite direction. I had, you know, my brother who taught me everything I needed to know about football. My brother was probably the most positive example outside of my mom as I was growing up. However, he did make some bad decisions as well. And I was a very observant kid. I saw, again, the lifestyle that he created because of those decisions. And I started choosing to do different. My brother dropped out when he was in the ninth grade. I said, well, I'm not going to do that, right? I'm going to I'm going to put myself in a situation where I can actually succeed. I'm going to graduate from high school because it's a stepping stone, right? So it was just it was just these small little pieces. Like I said, up until I was 22 years old, it felt as though I knew it. I had a clear image on what exactly I did not want to be. However, I did not have a clear vision on where I was going. That that was the that was the I guess the paradigm, right? Because I saw this life and peeking into my own childhood childhood and everything else of the man I didn't want to become. However, I was just running from that individual. I was running from the idea of, of turning into my dad or or turning into one of the drug dealers that, that was down there, right? I, that was that was my 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 sprint, right? My sprint away from that. However, when I got connected to a, a business owner, an entrepreneur that's up here in the Binghamton area when I was 22 years old, he started to help me realize like, okay. You ran from that. You're away from it. There's no way that you're going back to it. But what are you now setting your focus on? What are you setting your, your in your sights so that you can flat out sprint towards something? And this man, I mean, he, he had just a, an amazing business. He had an amazing marriage. He was a dad. It was the first time I was introduced to a positive example in all those categories. Typically, when you find mentors, you got to find 
you know, one guy that's really good with a spiritual relationship, another guy that's really good with the marriage, another guy that's really good in business. However, here's this guy that, that, that I was introduced to that had all those aspects in place and, and was a positive example, not, not someone I had to look at as an example and do the opposite, but somebody I can literally mimic and start to create the same success and the same fruit that was inside of my life. And um, that was the paradigm shift. That's when it went from, okay, I have an idea of where I don't want to be to now I know exactly where I'm going. I know the legacy I want to leave behind. So this is now what I'm chasing. And how do you say that? Like, what if you say in one sentence, where are you going? That's a great question. In one sentence, where are you going? In one sentence, I would say I'm I'm chasing the legacy that will be left for generations. I know I, I know I probably mentioned that a whole lot in this episode already, but that's what I'm doing. And that legacy is so much bigger, like I said, to, than just me and myself and my own family. But I'm I'm freeing so many other men and women who grew up in the same situation that I did that have no hope for themselves. And actually, yeah, I'll say that I'm a hope dealer. <laughs> I'm a hope dealer. <laughs> yes. I'm, dealing, I'm dealing hope to those who went through the same circumstances, the same struggles that I have and, and helping them believe in themselves that they can also overcome them circumstances. You know, you know who else is a curse breaker? Who's that? Oprah Winfrey. Yes. And absolutely. you are going to be in her book club, baby. <laughs> that would be an honor. You know, Goodness gracious. When you get there, you remember <laughs> I said that. <laughs> if, if, when it happens, because I'm claiming it, right? After you said it, I feel as though that's, that's good energy, right? So I'm going I'm to claim it. And as soon as it happens, you're going to be the first one to know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you have this like hashtag. Your hashtag is Cursebreaker, and it's just it's awesome. It's so clear, so clear. Amen. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I got to tell you, of all the things, like you have so many great things in this book, and I can almost pull out every single one of them, but you know, we wouldn't want to give your entire book away. In <laughs> However, I do have to say one of my absolute favorite quotes that you've drawn out is reading books allows you to punch yourself in the face. <laughs> I, I was like, Oh my God, that is so true. And we're talking about, you know, self-help books here where you're like, mm-hmm. why does this thing keep happening to me? And right. then it's, you read a book and it's like, Duh, dummy. <laughs> it's so, so I true. love that. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny that you brought that quote up because uh, that's one. That's actually one of my favorite quotes from the book. It's definitely top five, right? Actually, I would say it's top three in the, inside of the entire book. Um, but where it came from or where it was spurred from is is this idea of still mentorship. So I told you the the gentleman that I met when I when I was twenty two years old. What I loved about our relationship early on is that instead of him looking at me and saying like, Eddie, you suck at this, go change it. Like you, you're horrible at organizational skills. You need to go change that right now. Instead of him verbally saying any of that and creating any type of friction or any type of uh, uneasiness in that relationship, he would give me a book and he would, he wouldn't talk about anything in, in specific to the skill set. 
that he wanted me to learn or anything else. He would basically give me a book and he would promote it based off of what he got out of it, right? So he would say like, oh, you know, I learned this inside of this book. Like, for example, I love How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And, you know, we, I remember when he, he, he gave me a book and he basically said, hey, Eddie, um, you know, this book helped me really develop my people skills and helped me understand that not everybody had to think like me, but they, you know, they're all adding value to a conversation and allowed me to listen. And like these, these small things were like, you know, like little seeds that he was planting. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds great. I would love to learn all that stuff. But then as I started reading the book, I realized I was like, dang, man, I'm a horrible person to, to be in conversation with, right? <laughs> like, it just revealed so much negative that I had to change within myself, but I loved it because as I was reading the book, I was speaking it for myself. So again, it was like, you're punching yourself in the face. It wasn't Evan, <laughs> but it was me saying like, all right, dummy, you need to go change this. You need to change that. You need to listen to people more and you just need to be a better overall person. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that so much. I spent, so I have spent so much time doing that to myself. <laughs> I think it's a actually a daily occurrence, but yep. never mind that. It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! So our our audience um, is you know I'm sure we have uh, uh, men as well as our female audience, mm. um, and I I don't personally have any you know bias against who I interview, whether they're male or female. I'm just really looking for. Um, great information, great tools and stories um, that can really support our audience in overcoming those things that have them stuck. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would love to hear from you if you were to give one solid piece of advice to yeah. our audience that is probably mostly women, mm -hmm. what would that be? One solid advice mostly women. That's, that's a great, that's a great question. And where I'm gonna go with it is saying, know your worth. Um, the reason behind that, like I said, I grew up in a household where my dad abused my mom. And unfortunately, one of those situations I was actually in the house for, and it was a, a long time that I resented my dad because it, I saw it, right? Like for, for a while, I felt as though I heard the verbal side of it, but I never actually witnessed the physical side of it. And when I saw that, um, and then for my mom as well, after that event to take my dad back, I looked at it as like, it was like heart, it was like a heartbreak for me. Right. Um, and still to this day, I, I talk my mom up all the time and just say, mom, you're, you're just, you're valuable. I say the same thing to my wife. I say the same thing to my nieces, know your worth. Know that you provide value. You don't need to depend on anybody else, um, whether that be a man. You don't need to depend on other, you know, different individuals. You can you can pull yourself up um, and and move on. So know your worth. Don't get stuck in situations where you can't um, see that value in yourself. You got to continue to to add value to yourself. Uh, so that's that's definitely a huge thing for me is is knowing what you what what you value and what you bring to the table, right? If you want to know an exercise, this is actually pretty fun. A lot of the times I say, write down on a sheet of paper, your glory list, right? Some people call it a badass list. I call it a glory list, but it's an opportunity for you to write down all the things that you've done in your life that, that 
is badass, right? Or or it brings glory to the situation. Um, like for example, for my mom, she raised she raised my sister. She had my sister when she was just 15 years old and raised and raised that to be an incredible woman today. She was the only one in my family outside of myself that had a high school diploma. Um, and and it was phenomenal what she's been able to accomplish, all the things that she had to overcome. And I just, you know, I encourage women today to start writing those things down, the things that you have already overcome so that when that time comes that you're hit with some type of adversity or you're hit with some type of uh bad mojo, whatever you want to call it, you can always look back at this list and remind yourself that you already are victorious. You've already overcome things. And this is just another obstacle that you're just going to dominate and crush and move on through. So uh, that was a little long winded, but I think that's the huge thing is, is continuously know that you you're valuable and, and know what, what you, what you're worth. <laughs> You know, it makes me think of as, you know, a lot of things that we do as women is, is care and caretaking and mm-hmm. we can kind of fall into the codependent role often. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it makes me think the way you say that is, you know, when women have babies, it's, it's just the most painful thing ever. Yeah. And it's difficult and wonderful because now you have this child and all this, and I can't speak from experience because I haven't had a child, but mm-hmm. I've heard from other people and I've, I've watched babies being born and, um, but, you know, it's like w- women get out of that and they're like, oh, my gosh, that was so hard. I never want to do that again. And then, like, three years later, they're like, I think I want another baby. <laughs> and, you know, it's like baby amnesia. Right, and I, right. I think that we do these things that are so amazing. We birth these create creations and these ideas and we support mm-hmm. and care and love for people. And we, we, we're women. We create, you know, we generate things. And. And then we have baby amnesia and can't remember what the hell we're good for. <laughs> I feel like that happens all too often. It definitely happens all too often. I, it's funny be, It's funny that you say that because I literally uh, was on another podcast last week and the host was, was mentioning um, something similar. But, he, you know, I told him basically that my wife gave birth to, you know, our two boys. And he was like, well, you know what? She's, she's already her pain. Oh, that's what it, we were talking about tattooing. And her getting her getting a tattoo, and um, and she did. She doesn't know if her pain tolerance is high enough for her to get a tattoo. And then he basically was like, "Well, this, she gave birth to your boys, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." She was like, "Well, a tattoo ain't got nothing on that." So she needs to be reminded that it doesn't hurt nowhere near as bad as giving birth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, man, it's the most amazing thing we can do as humans is have a kid. It's just incredible. Yep. Um. Well, thank you, Eddie, so much for being on our podcast. It's been amazing to have you, and I I just love being with you. You just open up the atmosphere so much, and I know you're going to be on Oprah. I just know. <laughs> like you I really said, I'm do. accepting that. I'm believing for that. Um, but okay. something that I do want to say, Grace, is first of all, thank you for having me. This, is, this has been phenomenal. It's so great to hop on uh, other people's shows who are – just amazing at what they do, but also have a genuine heart to serve and help others succeed. And that's, that's huge. I love, like I said, your work when I said, when we started, love your work. I love your passion. I love what you do and the story behind it um, as well. So thank you so much for that. The second thing I want to say is for anybody who's listening, if you have questions or anything else, I'm not one of those guys that don't put me on the pedestal. I feel like sometimes we hear from podcast guests or things like that. And then you hear these stories and then you put them up on a pedestal like, oh, I can never talk to them. I should never reach out. 
But what I'll let you know right now is that I'm so easily uh, approachable that you can reach out to me on any of the social media platforms and just say, hey, how you doing? If you got a question or something like that, I will help you. And if I can't, I will definitely connect you to somebody in my network who can. So don't put me on a pedestal. I'm just a regular dude. <laughs> just a regular dude. That's what my show is about. We have regular dudes and dudettes on this show. <laughs> no, but, no specials. No special pedestal people because it's just, you know, it's just not true. Exactly. Yep. 100%. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and where can they find you, Eddie? So primarily, I would say I spend the most of my time on LinkedIn. That's actually how me and Grace met. So that's LinkedIn is phenomenal. That's where I do most of my virtual hanging. However, I am on the other social media platforms. So if you want to just look up some more mindset stuff, you can find me on YouTube. Um, if you just want to connect with me on your favorite platform, like Instagram, Facebook, all those different things, I believe Grace has the links and everything else. Uh, so you can find me there. And then my website itself, obviously, is a great place to get to know me as well. And that's eddiethomason.com, E-D-D-I-E-T-H-O-M-A-S-O-N. Don't put the P in there. The P has to go out. Okay? <laughs> my bad. My bad. <laughs> no, you didn't put the P in there. You're fine. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where they can find me. And I, like I said, if I can help, I definitely will help. So don't be, don't hesitate to reach out. <laughs> Thank you. So go out, get this book on Amazon.com, Unlock Yourself, How to Earn the Success You Were Born to Create yes. by Eddie Thomason. <laughs> Stellar book. You got to get it. It's it's excellent. Um, and we only skimmed the surface today. So, Perfect. Eddie, thank you again for, for being here with us. Appreciate you. Definitely. Thank you, Grace. I appreciate it. I want I wanted to be known on your show. Um, I want I want to invite you over to the Curse Breaker podcast at some point as well. So part two of this conversation can happen over there. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Curse Breaker. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. <laughs> That was Eddie Thomason, author of the new book, Unlock Yourself. You can find this book on Amazon and follow him on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and even TikTok. I'm excited to know Eddie and learn from his contagious enthusiasm for life, and I encourage our listeners to connect with him and share your own personal stories or even ask his advice. If you read his book on Amazon, please leave him a review. It's the best way to help him spread these valuable insights and gain popularity for his book. We are taking a break for the month of August, but we'll be back in September with new episodes. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about or a particular problem you would like us to help you navigate, contact us on our Anchor page by leaving a voicemail or emailing us at whatittakestobewild at gmail.com. Until next time, be bold and be wild. <laughs> <laughs>